You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? Welcome into the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. I am Ben McKee, joined by Patrick Brown here in Orlando, where it is New Year's Eve, and we are about 25 hours away from the Tennessee Volunteers kicking off with Iowa in the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl on New Year's Day. Been a long week, been a fun week, uh, a, a lot of good content, I feel, down here uh, in Orlando. Patrick's been here since Wednesday, I've been here since Thursday. You've had multiple press conferences. Josh Heupel spoke uh, on Wednesday, and Patrick, Wes, and Ryan uh, reacted to the, to the news that Nico Iaumaliava is going to be the starting quarterback in this football game after Joe Milton decides to opt out of the game. Uh, but since then, uh, Nico spoke to the media. Dylan Sampson spoke. Bryson Eason, Jalen McCullough, who did not speak all year long. Uh, we had a joint press conference this morning between Kirk Ferentz and Josh Heupel, the the head coach conference, uh, their final media availability uh, earlier this week. The coordinators and captains spoke, Joey Hawsley, Tim Banks, Cooper Mays, Aaron Beasley, and uh, Iowa also obviously brought their coordinators, brought their starting center and starting inside linebacker as well. Uh, So it's been a a very, very busy week and sitting down now to – Recap the week and uh, and look ahead to the game. Yeah, there's a game. There, there is a game. There wasn't much to talk of the game at the final press conference this morning. It was more of a everything is wrong with college football. How do we fix it? <laughs> uh, there is a football game tomorrow, um, and so yeah, that's we're going to talk about that too. Yeah, we're going to re- recap the week, get our thoughts on the week, and, and also preview tomorrow's game for sure. I, I guess we'll start with uh, a, a little bit of Nico stuff. Uh, Like I mentioned, you all reacted to the Nico news earlier this week on Wednesday, uh, but Nico did speak the next day. What what are your kind of your big takeaways? I I know he's not a, he's a a, a young man, not full of many words. He's kind of straight and uh, to this point, to the point, speaks well, but uh, that doesn't give you much. What was kind of your takeaway from uh, Nico uh, in his second media availability of the year? He spoke on the first day the day I think before. he talked in the spring too. Okay. I think he's so still getting third. used to yes to being having all the cameras on him, and of course, <clears throat> he's you know been such a larger than life kind of character for a long time now, at least in terms of the Tennessee fan base. Um, probably doesn't go many places in Knoxville, not get recognized and stop for pictures and things like that. But um, yeah, he he seems pretty grounded going into his first start. I think he. I, he he likes having Joe Milton here to help him. Um, he likes the fact that he's had so long to get ready for. <coughs> excuse me for one game, one opponent, um, and so uh, I think he's comfortable with the guys around him. He feels pretty good about you know th- this isn't something that he just started working for the start of this week or even the start of the season. I mean, this has been a build up process throughout the year in terms of learning the offense 
learning how to read defenses, learning his teammates too. I think that's an important thing that he touched on. So um, I, I think he's excited for the start. I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of nerves. Um, he he kind of strikes me as a guy that's, you know, this is what I came here to do. I came here to be the guy, and now I get Very to do poised. it. Very poised. Yeah. Uh, that, that's he, kind of the thing that you continue and, to and hear. he plays about that way too. Um, you know, even in some of the – uh, some of the brief cameos and appearances that he made during the season. He just makes everything kind of look effortless. Uh, and he doesn't seem like he gets too high or too low, which is a good trait to have in your quarterback. Now, we just, we just, there's things which we just don't know. Like, we just don't know, you know, what's he like on the bottom of the field. He, ne- he, never, he didn't really take any deep shots during the season. Um, you know, how does he bounce back from a bad play? How does he bounce back from a three and out? Um, how, you know, th- there's a lot of things we're going to find out in terms of going from the backup who – yeah, the, those guys always say they prepare like a starter, but it's different. Like now, you you're, it's your game. You have to manage all parts of it. You have to manage yourself. You have to manage people around you. So, I think it's fascinating. It's exciting. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing him play. I was I was, kind of hoping. I think a lot of people were too that he would get this bowl game and get a chance to see where he's at. And, and now he's going to get that chance. Absolutely. And I I really enjoyed listening to Joey Halsley during his press conference. Yep. So, answer the various types of questions about Nico. Uh, and, and one of those questions was, where has Nico improved the most over the last year or so, or since he stepped foot on campus, which was this time a year ago? Mm-hmm. He, he participated in yeah, bowl practices in Miami, team, right? Yeah, ran scout team quarterback, uh, that, which is pretty funny now in hindsight. Yeah. He, a year later, he's the starting quarterback in the bowl game. Uh, but Joey Halsley talked about how his defensive recognition – has has just gotten so much better from the time you step foot on campus, and, and how most freshmen they they want to to learn the plays as quickly as possible, and and then later on, once they've learned the plays, then they'll worry about learning what the defense is trying to do. Nico has obviously he's needed to learn the plays. He's the quarterback and, and needs to know the ins and outs of every play and what every player on the field, all eleven guys on offense, he has to know the responsibility of all eleven guys on the field, but taking it to the next level and wanting to learn how defenses are, are trying to attack him and, and play against him. And that, that is what Joey Halsley said that Nico has, has improved the most, where he has improved the most. He also talked about uh, how he's really uh, understood that he needs to, to add more weight and, and just become more physical. Uh, and I, I also really, really liked that he, he talked about how Nico – five-star quarterback, the, the NIL stuff is kind of out there publicly. Like there, There's a lot of hoopla that, that comes with, with Nico, and you would not know it by how coachable he's been. And, and a lot of five-stars, especially quarterbacks, they're, they're reluctant to change. Yeah, we, heard, we heard that about him early, like talking to Halsley before the Orange Bowl. Right, but that's uncommon because right. yeah, it is. these five-star quarterbacks, they have their own personal quarterback trainers back home or, or wherever. I mean, we've seen Tennessee quarterbacks, Quincy Avery, go off and work with guys like that, and, and there's individual guys in, in their hometowns that aren't as popular as Quincy Avery. So when they get to these college campuses, they're, they're kind of reluctant to tweak anything. But Nico's been open to, to anything suggested to him. He's just very, very coachable, which it sounds great, but it's not it's – not maybe as common, not that it's a, a huge issue across sports, but it's probably not as common as people may think that it is. Yeah, and, and – It's not a given. Yeah, you know, one of the things that struck me about what Halsey said last year was that, you know, uh, this persona, this image, I think the narrative or something that got created about Nico is that he might be some type of way, and he's really kind of just a regular kid. Right. During and, the recruiting and, process, the pajamas, right. the sunglasses, and then that's kind of when the NIL stuff started right. to but, creep out, private jets going I mean, across it, the country. I mean, there were players talking about how uh, just kind of humble he is. And, right. And you don't know – if first time you meet him as a teammate, you probably don't know what to expect and probably surprise some people in the program that way. But um, the, the, probably one of the more interesting things that was said about him this week – was from Bryson Eason, who he compared him to a – it was actually kind of funny. The the full quote, let me – I think I have it pulled up here. <laughs> and um, let me see if I can find it here. But he compared him to like a, a bigger well, Bryce Young? He he said taller Bryce Young. Oh, yeah, he says a tall, real tall, much taller Bryce Young. I don't know if he's taking a shot at, at Bryce Young's <laughs> He is height. much taller. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you watch him play during the season and he just has, 
an innate ability to subtly move away from pressure. I mean, even in the Virginia game, uh, on a film breakdown I did earlier in the week on the site, he, you know, guy comes unblocked and he just doesn't panic, just kind of slides up and the guy overruns the play and then he scrambles. You know, he, he, he's very poised for a guy that's, you know, as a, as a freshman. Plays 52 snaps. <clears throat> right. I mean, he's – and he's going to need that ability, you know, with this offensive line. But just the way he's able to extend plays, scramble – Make off-platform throws. I, I think that's an ability as a, a thing as a quarterback. You either have or you don't. And it can be a, a game changer. It can be a difference maker when a defense thinks it has you, you get away, and then you make a play down the field. That that can be a huge asset to any offense, and uh, I think we'll see some of that in this game tomorrow. Yeah, and and the, the unfortunate part is he, he's not going to be working with a full deck of cards, and we'll, we'll get into that a, a little bit later. But transitioning to some other storylines – down here in Orlando this week. Nico's not the only guy getting his first big-time opportunity as the guy. And uh, you, you wrote a nice story on Dylan Sampson because now Dylan Sampson is the guy. Obviously, Dylan has played more and been more productive than Nico because he has played more. Uh, but now Dylan's role has grown immensely. And and Dylan not only going to be the guy in this game, he's going to be one of the premier guys on offense going into the next season. Uh, and, and so – his play in this football game I think is going to be very critical because I think Jalen Wright was the best player on this football team this year. And you've got Jalen Wright opting out for the NFL draft and Jabari Small, more news that came down this week. <laughs> Jabari Small opts out and declares for the NFL draft. And uh, Jabari Small, not as dynamic as Wright and Sampson, but a contributor. Two of the three top backs are, are out in this football game. Dylan Sampson gets his first crack at being the guy, and with those guys being out, I mean, it's critical that he plays well. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's going to be a full 2024 20, preview, a quarterback and, and at running back too because you could throw Cameron Selden in there. It doesn't sound like Tennessee has, at this point, much interest in going for anybody in the portal at running back. So it's going to be the Sampson and Selden show, and then, you know, we'll, we'll see if they get anybody else work. I think Khalifa Keith would be next. Obviously, Peyton Lewis – uh, the speedy freshman from Virginia will be here as an early enrollee. I don't think he's here right now, at least in terms of bowl practices. He actually, I think he's in the Under Armour game, so he actually is here. Um, he's he's in Orlando, just not with the Vols. He, right, he's but, over at the Under Armour All American. Right, game. but this is going to be what you're going to get in 2024. And, and talking to, to Samson, and you know, I asked him, you know, you know, was it hard to kind of be part of a, a trio, and you know, because everybody wants to be the guy, right? I mean, that that's. He came here to be RB1, and, he, you know, I, I think he had a good answer about it when it was like, you know, I kind of accepted the situation was what it was where we had three guys, and then I couldn't be upset about it. But he said he had to kind of always stay ready during the course of the season because he never knew when his playing time was going to come. And if you look at his usage, it was pretty inconsistent. You know, he has the great game against Kentucky. You know, they didn't even play him at Florida at all. Then he has a big game the next week against UTSA because – I think Jalen got banged up in that game. Um, then in the Kentucky game, he gets the whole fourth quarter and does looks awesome. Uh, and then he just, you know, intermittent usage the next three games. I think they try to manage him a little bit against UConn. And then, you know, the offense, you know, couldn't stay on the field. The defense couldn't get off the field in the, in the Georgia-Missouri game. So that limits your usage even more. But uh, I think he's ready for the workload and – um, I, I'm excited to see him do that. I'm excited to see Cameron Selden. He's been talked up a lot too this week. We we really don't know what to expect from him. Um, he's a big body. He runs hard, but he got 12 carries during the course of the season. Yeah, they really like him too. Um, they've liked him for a while, um, and, and it was kind of interesting to hear you know Joey Halsey talk about him and, and say that you know he's he's ready for this mentally and physically. And this is a guy that played all over the field in high school. He's had to learn how to be a running back and. Um, they kind of taught something that Samson said was that he just has been real intentional um, and has like a, a drive to learn the game and how to play. And he said that, you know, the physical stuff, he's a freak and all that, but he's also got the kind of the intangibles to want to be great and push to be great. And um, with the way that, that Samson has become kind of a leader in this team, that's an exciting duo to start with for, for, the, for the backfield for next season and in this game uh, tomorrow. Yeah, got to, to talk to Nico and, and Samson on, uh, I guess that was Thursday. Also got to speak to two veterans in Bryson Eason and Jalen McCullough. Uh, Bryson Eason, somebody that will come back next season. He mentioned that. He is not a graphic guy or social media guy, does, does not need the, 
the social media clout that a lot of athletes crave these days and that that is human nature but also you, you do appreciate the guys that are like who cares if I put a graphic out uh, or not so Tennessee losing Tyler Barron uh, along the defensive line uh, but although you're losing Tyler Barron to Ole Miss you do have several <coughs> veterans coming back in Bryson Eason Elijah Simmons, Amari Thomas, Amari Thomas, who is the best of the bunch returning. Uh, and I mean, he and Tyler Barron were 1A, 1B in terms of best pure defensive linemen, not counting the edge rushers, the Leo position. Those guys were the two best. Uh, Amari was banged up there the second half of the season uh, a little bit, and, and that kind of slowed him down. But uh, Omar Norman Lott, and I guess technically Omar Norman Lott hasn't made it official, but sounds like it's trending in in, in that direction. Yeah, but I think that's the expected outcome expected, at this point. Expected, but, but he's unpredictable. Very unpredictable. Depends on which way the wind is blowing that day. So uh, Omar is expected back as of now, but we, we will see if that actually comes to uh, fruition. Elijah Simmons, I I think he's in the same camp as Bryson Eason, just doesn't really care about putting out a graphic that he's coming back, but he's expected to return as well. So uh, getting Bryson back specifically, again, he spoke to the media this week, so we'll highlight him. That That's big. That's important. Yeah, he he's a guy that, uh, as he put it, he's like, I've only been playing defensive tackle for two years. You know, he came here as uh, part of the, the Whitehaven trio. He's going to be the only one left. Uh, with Tamari McDonald going to Ole Miss, obviously Martavius French left after their first season together, which was he left in the spring of 2021. Had a good season for UTSA this season. I think he was like their fourth leading tackler. Um, but, you know, I asked Bryson about that, and he was like, yeah, you know, that's tough. I, I'm proud to be the last guy standing, but, you know, I was going to love those guys and support those guys, and, and they love Tennessee, and, they you know, they, want, they all want to see each other do well. Uh, but he said his, you know, the best place for him is Tennessee, and that's where he's going to be, and he's looking forward to – continuing his development and um he's a guy that started i think seven games this season and uh, it's going to be a key part of that rotation and and you know people want to know about you know is tennessee going to go after guys in the portal and all this stuff and you know they've they've made the efforts to keep a lot of those veterans on the offensive and defensive lines and uh, i think that's probably a smart strategy given you're going to be young in some other places around those two units and so you know if you can help some of those other positions by having older guys, proven guys that have played in this league. Uh, I, I think that's probably beneficial for next year's team. And uh, that group needs to have a good game on Monday too because, you know, Iowa's offense isn't great. In fact, it's terrible. But they do run the football. They have some guys that can, you know, get the job done. They have a, a, an older, uh, big offensive line that's going to, look, you know, go out there trying to say, hey, we can block an SEC front. You know, they all these guys have a lot of four- and five-star guys. We're not. We have something to prove. So and these defensive lines are going to have to show up in this game, and uh, that's something that Easton said too is that, you know, this is the kind of game that defensive linemen like. You know, it's going to be a, a blue-collar, smash-mouth, hand-in-the-dirt, uh, you know, mano-a-mano kind of game, and, and I think they're you know some of those guys are probably looking forward to it, and we'll, we'll have to see if they're actually looking forward to it because – the proof will be in the pudding. Yes, that's right. One of the big questions every bowl season is is how how much does your team want it in the bowl game? And we will talk about that on, on the other side of this break here in a moment. Uh, but do want to highlight Jalen McCullough before we do hit that break. A guy that tomorrow will be banking his 51st start. Uh, program record, correct? Or Yes, he's currently tied with John and Hefney. Okay. Um, Good person to be tied with. And so I think Hefty only played four seasons, but he, McCullough only played five. He's not one of these guys that's like, you know, six or seven years. He he had fun with it because you know, somebody asked him, like, what does that mean to him? And it means I'm old. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it, it's still a, got a little bit of an advantage <coughs> with, with the COVID season, but you, you still started a whole lot of football games. And my my main point with McCullough, I'll, I'll let you go a little deeper into what he had to say uh, about his career at Tennessee coming to an end. But for me, my overall thought was that it was really cool to hear him speak about how much Tennessee means to him. Yeah. Because I think we as media members, fans, because of some poor play here and there, obviously Jalen McCullough has has been a source of frustration for Tennessee fans at times. I think he played pretty well this season. Uh, ended his season on a on a high note. I, I feel he was really steady, really solid on the back end this season. But the, the, there was a bit of a roller coaster throughout his career in terms of his play. And I think it's easy for us as media members and, and as fans to forget the, the human element 
and that is that this guy truly loves the university, loves the team that you're rooting for, and he is giving his all. And at the end of the day, that matters more than the plays he is or is not making because of, I mean, that the, the character of it, to me, is more important just because you, you are giving it your best shot. You are laying it all out on the line. And I feel like sometimes people observing the game, we, we, we forget that because of this player, that play not being made. But this is a guy that truly, truly loves this university and has given his all for Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, he's probably one of those guys where if you ask people in the program about him, you're going to get a much different answer than if you ask. Program loves him. Yeah, and, and that's why they've you know stood behind him during this whole off-field thing. That That's why he's not talked. I had to go look it up. He he talked the week of the LSU game last season, and I think the incident with the you know the guy at the apartment rocking in the wrong apartment. That's that process is still playing out, by the way. But he you know he never missed any game time for it. He missed two games because his hand was messed up um, after it happened. But obviously he didn't do any media until this week, so it was kind of refreshing to hear from. He's a guy that plays all the time. Is he's never a not huh a leader on this team. Yeah, he's team captain, and and like like we said, I mean, he's a guy that the people in the program talk glowingly about. Um, it, it was funny, you know, not funny, but I, you know, I asked him kind of how he would describe his career, and he said dedication. I think, and he said that his dad told him when he was getting recruited to commit to a school, um, not a coach or not a system or not a defense. And um, if I'm remembering correctly, I think Jeremy Pruitt recruited him for a long time. Like there was a long relationship there. Sounds right. Um, early in his high school days, back in I think around the Atlanta area, and so. He was a guy that, you know, when, when Pruitt and that staff left, it would have made a lot of sense for him because a lot of guys in that class did leave. Um, but he stayed around, and, and he's been a guy that, you know, obviously Tim Banks talked really highly about him and, and said he's like another coach on the field. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's made his mistakes, but I think he was the third highest graded safety in the SEC this season, uh, according to Pro Football Focus. So, uh, and a guy that, that you know, we talk about some of the young pieces of this game. There's a lot of older guys, the Jacob Warrens, the Aaron Beasleys, that are playing their last game, and they're maybe not going to be maybe remembered as much as like Jalen Hyatt and Hooker because those guys went out with that team in that season. But they're NFL players. <laughs> yeah, but <coughs> excuse me. I mean, the, some of these other guys have also contributed to you know Tennessee going from where it was to where it is now. Yes, um, and so they should be remembered well for that and I think that's an interesting dynamic to this game as we sort of transition to more of a preview is that you've got some of these young pieces that are you know kind of starting for the first time getting a a look ahead to 24 but you've also got these veterans here that are going to want to go out in their last game and win and so I think that's an interesting dynamic that should keep Tennessee should have kept Tennessee pretty locked in during the course of preparation for this game and it should have them pretty fired up to play and try to go win this game on Monday. Yeah Jalen McCullough and Aaron Beasley and those type of guys, your Bryson Easton, Jacob Warren, yeah, Jacob Warren, for sure, definitely those guys. Even you know Jabari Small opted out, but even Jabari Small, Mel Keaton probably, Mel Keaton as well. Even though I'm sure he would have liked to have had a few plays back from this season. Uh, Ali Lane up front along the offensive line, like those are guys that probably aren't going to play in the NFL. They'll they'll get training camp invites and may stick around on a practice squad. Uh, similar to what Princeton Fant is doing right now with the Cowboys, but th- they're not the the Jalen Hyatts or the Cedric right. Tillmans or Hendon Hookers where they're going to have 10-year pro careers. But they may not have made the splash plays and, and been you know, at, at the very top of the list of best players on the team, but guys like Ali Lane, Jacob Warren, Jalen McCullough, Aaron Beasley, what they contributed from a leadership standpoint. We probably, we probably throw Joe in there too. And Joe, Absolutely. Uh, especially this past season with Joe, um, absolutely. What they contributed from a leadership standpoint in helping lay the foundation of this culture under Josh Heupel is just as important as <coughs> the touchdown catches that Jalen Hyatt was making against Alabama. Right. I mean, it, it truly was. So they, they absolutely deserve the flowers, and uh, I, I've, I was glad to see Jalen McCullough. Again, I understand the frustration at times in the past, um, but – Again, hard not to appreciate the guy that's talking about he would define his career as dedication, being dedicated in a day and age of college athletics where 
it's all about me, there's, me, me. Yeah, me, there's me. not a lot of that anymore. No, yeah. there's not. Just look at the Florida State Georgia game or, or several other bowl games. So I, I was I thought that was really cool and, and I appreciate those stories more than any other stories in in college because that is college sports. Jalen McCullough is college sports. Just playing for the pride of the school logo and your brother next to you and the fans and all that, that is what college sports is about. And I think why we all love college sports. And unfortunately we're getting further and further away from that. Uh, we do need to preview this football game. Been a busy week, busy, busy week, and uh, still have plenty to discuss from this busy week, but we will get into more of a uh, preview centric conversation on the other side of this quick timeout. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. I am Ben McKee, joined alongside Patrick Brown here in the Media Hotel in Orlando, Florida, wrapping up our extensive bowl coverage from this week. Patrick's been here since Wednesday. I've been here since Thursday and uh, have had plenty of coverage down here and wrapping wrapping things up because bowl week is wrapping up. It's It's time to go play a football game. Hope everybody had a Merry Christmas and, and hope everybody everybody has a safe and happy New Year's Eve tonight and uh, brings in the new year as well as they possibly can. Before we continue our conversation here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, would like to encourage you, if you don't mind taking a, a brief moment out of your day in between sips from uh, your drink of choice as you sit around and watch Red Zone or countdown to, to, to the ball dropping on, on whatever news station you're watching, if you don't mind taking a quick moment to go like, rate, and review our podcast wherever you do get your podcast and share it with a friend, we would greatly appreciate that. that that's how you can help us. And, uh, again, we would greatly appreciate that. Uh, Patrick, interesting football game, I think. I'm not expecting many points to be scored. I believe the total is 35.5 last I checked. Yeah, that that's a pretty good over under set. I, I'm not expecting many points. I I, I think it's it's going to be a I, I don't want to call it an ugly game. I, I just don't think it's going to be a an offensive game. And and for two reasons: a Iowa's offense is is terrible, and so you you do have some concerns on the defensive side if you're Tennessee, just because it's a new look secondary for the most part. Out, outside of a what two guys gave Judy Lally and outside of Jalen McCullough. Yeah, uh, there'll be. Third start for Andre Turrentine. Yeah, so he played a little bit more than the other guys. And first, Ricky Gibson. Yes, so even Andre Turrentine and Jordan Thomas, who did get some playing time this year, still a little wet behind the ears in terms of career starts. So there are some question marks there. Uh, I I still feel like linebacker next to Aaron Beasley is a question mark because it's it's been a roller coaster there with, with. uh, Elijah, or excuse me, with with Keenan Peely out due to injury this year. Elijah Herring's had an up and down season. Uh, Arian Carter's out for the season. Uh, Jeremiah T. Lander, true freshman. Caleb Perry still, 
I guess not at this point as an experience, but a younger guy in, in terms of what class he is. Uh, so there, there, there's that's a question mark, um, just because it, it has been a roller coaster. But I mean, even despite those question marks, I, just the Iowa offense is, Iowa is tends so to, bad. Iowa tends to drag teams into down the, mud. the mud with them. Yes, because that's how they play. That's how they have to win. I mean, they had the. They're last in the country in total offense by like 25 yards, and they still won 10 games. Uh, they scored 22 touchdowns, I think 20 on offense. Um, they're last in first downs, yards per play, total offense. I mean, it's it's just for Tennessee. You're thinking if we can get to 20, we're probably going to win this game easily. Absolutely. Um, but it's such a clash of styles and identities and. <coughs> And, you know, Iowa hasn't seen any offenses like Tennessee's in the Big Ten. And I don't think Tennessee's seen very many offenses like Iowa's in in the SEC, just from a style standpoint. Uh, The closest probably is Kentucky. But Iowa will play with two tight ends the whole game. They'll play with three tight ends. They'll run I formation with a fullback as as if it's unheard of. Aaron Beasley made that point this week when he was at the captains and coordinators press conference saying that they run a lot of 12 and 13 personnel, and and that's basically it. And for those who don't know, 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, 13 personnel, one back, three tight ends. You see it, but you don't see it as much as Iowa's going to be in it practically all game with Aaron Beasley. And so you wonder, I mean, is Tennessee going to go, how much are they going to have to play 4-3? Are they going to have to play with three linebackers on the field in this game? Do you think that would benefit them because of the lack of experience in the secondary? It could. It could. I mean, but if you but then are you having to play a third linebacker? I mean, I just touched on the question marks next to Aaron <laughs> well, Beasley. Beasley, Herring, and T-Lander maybe? This could be a T-Lander game. This should be. I, I think – I know T. Lander's inexperienced and, and still young, but, but a, in but terms a box of game. he's an in-the-box right, linebacker. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, most linebackers early on are better in the box than they right. are trying to play coverage and things like that. So um, I think the keys for Tennessee defense is they got to stop the run first and foremost, and then they've got to cover the tight ends. That's the key right there. <laughs> and I, I guess you're right. Iowa is part of tight end you. They're, they're, they're down to their third and fourth string tight ends because their their top two guys have been out for a while, uh, and they're both NFL guys, Eric All and um, Luke Lachey, who I think is coming back next season. That was one of their decisions that they were waiting on. Um, of course, I think if you play tight end at Iowa, you're automatically going into the NFL just because of the guys that they produce at that position. But, yeah, I mean it's got it start, it's got to start with stopping the run. You got to make Iowa throw to beat you because they can't throw. They cannot. Throw. Um, now <laughs> the, the, again, the, we talked about the the t- injuries at tight end. They've all, they brought in Cade McNamara from Michigan, who was teammates with Joe Milton at Michigan back in. Uh, I think they were the two guys battling to replace Shea Patterson in 2020 during the shortened season after the Big Ten didn't want to play and then <laughs> changed their minds. But um, stick to sports, Patrick. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, McNamara got hurt. I think five games in the season. So they've they've had Deacon Hill, who's six three, two sixty. He's uh, understandably uh, when you hear those dimensions, he's not mobile. This no. is not Jared Lorenzen. I saw I saw a practice highlight of him. I don't I don't know if Iowa sent it out or or if it was somebody else. He's big. He's a big dude. Um, he's a, and he's not the because Big Ben was what six six to go here, along. Here, here, with here the comes Steelers fan Ben. To, Absolutely Steelers fan Ben. Here we go Steelers. But, like, you hear somebody with that type of weight and you think of a guy like Ben Roethlisberger. But Ben Roethlisberger had three more inches on his body to, to spread the weight right. out. This dude, is, he looks like a Cheez-It. <laughs> he looks like a Cheez-It. <laughs> Does he, if he puts the sunglasses on, is he like the mascot? Yes. I mean, well, the, 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 uh, Tennessee's defense is going up against a Cheez-It playing quarterback on New Year's Day. <laughs> We're going to look stupid if he goes out here and throws for 250 on the second. No, we're not going to. Tennessee's going to. Oh. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, but that's the thing, though. Like, if you're Tennessee, your game plan on defense is starts and ends with stopping the run. Because if you can make Iowa throw, even with your secondary the way it is, you probably got a good chance. Uh, if you can get pressure on him, he's, like I say, he's not very mobile. Um, he doesn't, he's, like, he's not a Lorenzen who's going to just get out of there. And he, Now, the only thing that it, he may be a little difficult to wrap up. He's not yeah. going to extend plays, but that big he, of a body may be a little bit difficult to bring to the ground. That that would be the only quote unquote right. mobile right. And I difficulty. Also, like I said, I also think if you're line, the linebackers and safeties are going to be big in this game because I will you know play action boots. They'll slip tight ends out. Um, yeah, uh, I know your keys. Got to read your keys. Can't be you know. I, I think I you know reading plays and eyes have been an issue for some of those young linebackers this season. 
Uh, and so, you know, teams have been able to exploit that with motions and, you know, play action and, and things like that. So that that's going to be a key for this defense. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I would just can't – they just can't score. They just don't <laughs> score. Um, they do – I think they do have a couple of good running backs. I think LaShawn Williams is, is a decent player. Um, you know, it's not just like – Four yards and a cloud of dust. He's, I think he had like an 80-something yard touchdown run against Wisconsin. Um, they have some, you know, he's got some breakaway ability. If you don't tackle him, they got to, if he does get through the line, the, the linebackers and safeties have got to wrap him up. They can't arm tackle him because, you know, these, these backs are, they're not Cheez-Its. <laughs> they're probably more like bowling balls, but, you, you know, you got to tackle him. You can't just hit a shoulder onto him. You got you to wrap up and make the play. Yeah, I, I'm real fascinated to, to see how, the Tennessee defense performs because Ike's it, Iowa's offense is terrible. This is the kind of offense that Tennessee's defense typically does well against. Yes, because most defenses. Do but I, I think the reason I'm more... we, just, we just have recency bias because the Georgia Missouri games. They were no, it's not even that. It's just the fact that I, like I don't know what to expect from Tennessee secondary. Well, there's that too. Yeah, I don't, and like I get that Iowa doesn't have any perimeter players that scare you, but. If if you're playing inexperienced players on the back end, I, I kind of think that's a, a two prong <coughs> question or, or, or topic. Because on one hand, if if you're playing inexperienced players on the back end, you would like for them to go up against bad football players, right? But what if their inexperience helps the bad football players make better plays? That makes sense. Like I, I just like yes, I know Iowa's offense is awful. And they don't have perimeter players that scare you, but will the inexperience of Tennessee at some spots play into their favor and and, and help them? Right, like it, you know, or, or that's where my question. If Iowa runs a double pass to Ricky Gibson side, is he going to bite on Correct. the swing pass? Yeah, I mean that those those are valid questions. Um, I just if you're Tennessee, you can't like you can't let Iowa score a lot on you. I mean, I mean, now your bold prediction to tease our bold predictions. Uh, which by the time this podcast is published, the bold predictions should be published. Okay, on the this site is more as, of a prop as bet well. kind of thing. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. You pre- your bold prediction. Let's remember the purpose of, of this content piece is bold predictions. Uh, and you said that Iowa will not score a touchdown. What? It's almost more of out of fascination. Like, will they score a touchdown? No, and like I'm with you, but like I guess as a, a separate question. Alongside that, like how how many <laughs> points do you truly feel like Tennessee is is going to to hold Iowa to? I guess uh, my prediction was twenty three to eleven because I feel like eleven is a very Iowa score. I I did thirteen. <laughs> twenty four to thirteen Vols was my prediction. Uh, I I would think if they score more than fourteen, it's a bad day. <laughs> now that's if that's no their defensive. average on the season is sixteen point six points There's per game. No, which was more than I thought it was, honestly. Uh, yeah, there's no um, – that, that's not counting if they get a non-offensive touchdown. You're all right. Which they have a couple of those. But um, I, I think the more likely scenario is Tennessee might give up some yards between the 20s and then hold in the red zone. That has kind of been their MO for, for most don't of the break, season. Yes, is very much what Which they is do. fine. But, but I, also, I also think that like this is the kind of offense that Tennessee's defense can is built to stop. Yes, I agree. Um, I just, I just, it's it's the two dimensional offenses that can throw and run. Yes, that they still, as we saw this season, have issues with, like Georgia, like Missouri. They don't have the personnel for those offenses. Not yet. Not yet. Um, they, they they have the young players, and, and now they need to develop them and get them on the onto the field. They have the ability. If 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 you can't throw consistently on Tennessee, you're gonna have you're gonna have issues. We saw it with A and M. You know, yeah, Kentucky and Devin Leary threw all over them, but when push came to shove. He didn't do anything. They didn't, you know, they they didn't get the job done in the fourth quarter. So, um, if you struggle to throw, you're you're the right kind of matchup for Tennessee. Um, and it's kind of flipping it now to the other side of the ball, if we could go that route, or did you have anything else left? No, I mean, I was about to flip it to that side because I, I think as long as I, we just spent the first twelve <laughs> minutes of the second segment talking about Iowa's offense and Tennessee's defense, but which. 12 minutes of talking about Iowa's offense is like walking on glass. Um, I had to watch several minutes of Iowa's you offense. Ch- you did not have to. You chose to. Well, I try to be informed. Uh, there, you don't need to watch 
<laughs> to know that they're putrid <laughs> on offense. They're a bunch of Pop-Tarts and, and Cheez-Its <laughs> running around out there. But to me, it, it all boils down to Tennessee wins his football game as long as the Tennessee offense has a pulse. Well, and that's 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 been the talking point all all. And that's going to be a tough challenge it, it, because in, Iowa's defense is really good. In, in the lead up is I think a lot of Tennessee fans are like, uh, you know, they had Iowa hadn't played anybody. The Big Ten's not an offensive league. Uh, you know, they they didn't play Ohio State. They did play Michigan. They actually I think did a pretty good job against Michigan, but that was also post Connor Stallions. <laughs> Michigan didn't know if it was what coverage Iowa was running, so it was a little <laughs> bit trickier than maybe it was in the past for the Wolverines. But Michigan turned um, the cheese. I, I just yeah, I mean. Can Iowa's defense play in space? That's going to be the question because Tennessee's going to make them play in space. Um, now, I do think Iowa's defense fine. I think it's legit good. They got some guys up there. They're not going to be, you know, I guess they had what Lucas Van Ness was. I mean, they, they will put out a defensive lineman that goes in the first two rounds every now and then. And a DB. Uh, yeah. And um, they got a linebacker in Jay Higgins who has 155 tackles. God block that guy. Um, but I mean, I think Iowa's gonna—they're gonna play with six in the box, and they're gonna say our defensive line's gonna be able to control the line of scrimmage. Our linebackers are gonna stop you from running the ball, and you're gonna have to throw it. But um, you know, this is a secondary that doesn't have Cooper DeJean, who's an All-American defensive back, All-American cornerback. Um, and, and how do they play in space? You know, Tennessee's got athletes. You know, this hasn't been—you know—this receiving core has taken a step back from last season, but. Um, this is still going to be, you know, athletically, I think a tough matchup for Iowa. Get Squirrel and even um, Nimrod out there in space, and I think obviously Squirrel, but I even think Nimrod can make some plays out there in space. Yeah, I, you know, Caleb, you know, Caleb Weber, Nimrod. We don't know which one of those guys is going to. They kind of alternated who's popped up to have like five catches, fifty yards, or whatever. Um, <coughs> so, yeah, it, it's. It, you know, and then those linebackers are going to have to play in space too because Tennessee, you know, it's all about the numbers. If if they've got guy advantages on the outside, they'll flip out the perimeter. I mean, they spread you out from sideline to sideline, and I feel like there's always sort of an adjustment period, which is why Tennessee's been so good to start games. I mean, you can prepare for it, you can prepare for it, but until you get out there, the the width and the tempo is kind of a almost like a shock to a lot of teams, even some of the SEC teams, which, which again is why Tennessee's been good to start games. Um, but you know, for Iowa, you know, I'm sure they've been working on this for weeks now. But it's just going to be different when they get out there and see it. So, but will we even? I would like to think, and this is another interesting storyline. I think going into this game, we didn't see the tempo this season the way that we did the past two seasons. So, well, that's because we'll, Hendon wasn't running it. But is getting into a different right. quarterback, yeah. right? I mean that that that's the question, and um, I I think Iowa's defense this is they're kind of. I did watch the Iowa defense too. That was probably more to, enjoyable. Right. I mean, they these guys they're pretty physical up front. Again, they're not like, you know, there's not a bunch of James Pierce's up there, but they've got strong, powerful dudes, a lot of pop. They don't get pushed around a lot in the middle. Um, and I think what, what their kind of aim is is they're gonna try to stop you from running the ball and they're gonna get you in third and long, and they're either going to play zone behind a four man rush to make you hold the ball and let the rush get home, or they're gonna blitz. And, you know, they they'll mix up blitzes. I would think that they're going to, you know, be pretty aggressive against Nico just because it's a freshman quarterback. You want him worrying about the pass rush early in the game and see if it infects him the rest of the way. And uh, when they do that, they play man behind it, and the objective is to, you know, get the ball out quick, make the tackle short of the sticks. This is a defense that doesn't miss a lot of tackles. Are they going to miss more tackles because of, of the way Tennessee spreads things out and puts them in space? We'll see. Possible. Um, so that that's that's what Tennessee's they, – they've got to run the ball in this game, and I think that's why the offensive line – We'll see what it looks like. I think it'll probably be Gerald Mincy, Ollie Lane, Cooper Mays, probably Jackson Lampley for, for Javante Spragans, and then I think Dane Davis. We're, we're not sure why John Campbell's not playing. Um, that's You get sort of a puzzled look when you ask people about it. Um, but looks like it's going to be Mincy and Dane Davis at tackle. So um, those guys have got to, to bring up a Conzo Martin line. they got to bring their hard hats. You're ready to go because I mean that it's going to be a physical battle. I mean, the, this game is we hear all the time about SECs of line of scrimmage league. This is going to be a line of scrimmage game because I think that's where Iowa is probably pretty strong, and, and Tennessee's got to be able to match that, and uh, and they've got to be they can't be the less the second best second most physical team in this game if they if they want to win. I'm very interested to see how Tennessee's offense plays tomorrow. Uh, I, I just I don't really know what to expect 
because it's hard to know what to expect. It's a patchwork offensive line, very banged up going into this football game. You have a freshman starting at quarterback, no Jalen Wright, no Jabari Small, leaning on Cam Seldon behind Dylan Sampson for the first time. Receivers are, are also banged up on top of they're banged up and finishing what has been a disappointing season for that group. You do have your tight ends, and I think they should be uh, a priority in this matchup. I, I think you got to use Jacob Bourne and McCollin Castles in this game. Uh, I think they can be real weapons for you. Uh, I I just I I think I know what to expect from Nico. Like I'm not expecting him to go out there and throw for 300 yards and and four touchdowns. But like I think he's going to be very poised. I think he's going to be very efficient and. I I would be surprised if he's turning the football over. I would be surprised if if he is airmailing passes or hitting guys at the feet. Like I think he'll flirt with my bold prediction was that that he'll get to two hundred, and, and I know that's a low number in terms. Well, of, that that's a good point though because he I don't think he has to go out and win this game for Tennessee. I think he's got to go out and game manage it. Well, honestly. see, I well the point that I was getting to is that I have more trust in Nico than I do the offensive line, which feels. Absurd to say. I, f- I feel kind of icky saying that. Like that, that just defies logic in football. Like a true freshman quarterback having more confidence in him making his first career start over what is technically speaking a, a veteran offensive line. Like that, that feels weird to to say out loud and, and have that opinion and, and have that thought. But I, I I think for Tennessee's success to to get to twenty because I, I think at minimum if they get to twenty they win. That that's my generic thought. In order to get to 20, the offensive line cannot get bullied all game long, which that concerns me from Tennessee's perspective because I, you just went into great detail about Iowa's defense. That is a very, very, very stout Iowa defense. It's a big challenge. And outside of tight end, there's question marks at every position on offense. <laughs> I just don't know how it's going to come together. I think Nico's going to play well. And, again, like 200 yards was my bold prediction, and I realized that number is not bold per se. But I think it is in this particular football game because of the offensive line situation, because there's no Jalen Wright and Jabari Small. The, the receivers are banged up on top of a disappointing season. Like I, I think 200, not turning the football over, I, I think Tennessee wins this game. Yeah, I, I think you know we, we – I don't want to say we're spoiled by Tennessee's offense, but like with, with Hinton and those guys, it was almost like they're going to score on everybody. The only teams they did that that they didn't score on were, was Georgia, and because Georgia had otherworldly defensive talent for two, and and now they've you know they've kept it going as Florida State found out yesterday. But like this this offense has not been that offense for a long time, and now this offense is I don't want to say a watered down version, but like you said, there's just so many new pieces and so many things that you know it, it's not going to be the 2023 offense, but it's also not quite yet the full 2024 offense where they're going to have some of the guys they've added. We'll see what Bruce McCoy does, all those things. Um, and so, yeah, it's tough to expect. And, and like I said, I, I don't think Nico needs to go out and win the game. You can't lose it. You can't, you know, you can't have multiple turnovers that put Iowa in position to score easy points because you don't need to help them score because they can't score on their own. So, um, and, and I think another thing, and we you know, heard this early in the week from Josh Heupel, is, is that the guys around Nico have to step up for him too. Um, and, and that means – you know, guys are going to have to make contested catches. You know, that was a, a debate throughout the, the season is how much of the ups and downs in the passing game was, was Joe, how much of it was his receivers. It was probably a little bit of both at times. They've got to protect well. Like I said, Iowa's going to bring blitzes. They're going to drop guys from the defensive line. They're going to bring linebackers. They're going to bring guys over the slots. They're going to bring safeties. They're going to be aggressive um, and, and try to rattle this guy. I mean, that's what you're thinking. If you're Iowa, you're thinking we got a freshman quarterback. Let's rattle him early. Maybe we can get some mistakes, and that's an easy way to score points. So, um, the offensive line, the running backs have to do a good job in protection, and, and they got to make plays around him. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's hard to know what to expect. I mean, these bowl games are kind of crapshoots anyway. And now you you take out this guy, this guy, and this guy. Um, I, I think Nico will probably have some moments where you see why he was a five star and the number two player in the country, according to to our analysts, and then there's going to be moments where he, he looks like a freshman. because I don't think those moments, and not say that you're saying this, but <coughs> to, to go a little more in-depth on that particular comment, I don't think those freshman moments will be like turnover-worthy plays. Like, I don't think he's going to – And, and he's got – and then when I talk, well, Like, when he has those freshman moments, I think it's going to – 
airmail a throw or right. an inaccurate throw. I don't think he'll do that consistently, but when he does look like a freshman, because that will happen, it'll maybe be holding on to the football too long, taking a sack, or just a little off with his accuracy. And, and I think I, I think what he needs to be told, I'm sure he's been told, is like I said, he doesn't have to be a hero to win this game. Like, you, you don't need to score 40 points. You know, it's not going to be prob- – most likely it's not going to be a shootout kind of game. That would be the heel. That would be quite the twist, though, because no one's expecting it. But um, you know, he he sometimes he's you know it's third and ten. Sometimes you just need to take the check down. If you don't get the first down, it's not the end of the world. Sometimes you got to throw the ball away. Sometimes you you know uh, you know he, he's got to make the right decisions and, and not do the things that will lose you games. Um, you know, so that, that I think that's the difference in this game is if you were playing a team with. A better offense, but a worse defense that you feel like you're going to need to score some more points on. I think in that case you can probably be a little bit more aggressive, but in this game he's just got to manage the offense, get the offense in the right place, make the right decisions on when to hand it off, when to get the ball out quick to the perimeter, when to take his shots downfield, and, and then you know he he can't make the the big mistakes that uh, you know like we saw with Jackson Arnold. He he made some mistakes. Some of those weren't on him in Oklahoma's game, but he's another five star guy that was making his first start in a bowl game and, and was playing Arizona and. Um, you know, he, he, Nico's got to, he's got to go out and play his game. He's a really good player. I think he's going to do great. I think he's going to be great down the future, but you know, this is the first start. So I think people need to temper their expectations and, and, and not overreact, but that's probably going to happen anyway. Yes. And, and I think that people need to temper <coughs> well, their expectations I, mostly I, because of what's around him. I will say this too. If he goes out and lines it up though, and it looks every bit five star, then you absolutely can overreact and, at one thousand percent. And <laughs> I think it'll be because I'll to, be overreacting too, most likely. No, and I and I I think I said this on the Swain event on Thursday morning. I I think it's it's a weird conversation to have, but on one hand, if if he struggles, I think that if he struggles or is inconsistent, I think it's a reflection of of what's around him, up front along the line, everything we've talked about on on offense around him. And if if that happens, if he struggles because of what's around him, like let's not overreact. Let's not because he he's he's not working with a full deck of cards in this football game now. And I'm not at all saying he is Destin Wade, but we saw Iowa feast on a true freshman quarterback last year when they beat up on Kentucky in the bowl game. And Destin Wade, true freshman playing quarterback, throwing in the double and triple coverage. It was what two pick sixes that that Destin Wade threw in that football game. Not saying I, I, I got to be honest. I did not watch the 2022 <laughs> Music City Bowl. I, I don't blame you. I'm between Iowa and Kentucky. Uh, but I I don't at all think that he's going. I, I to – I try to watch as little Big Ten football as possible. In all honesty, I don't at all think he's going to do that. But if he is throwing into double and triple coverage, then okay, we can overreact or just simply react in a negative way if that were to happen. But if it's because – if he's struggling because of the parts around him, then I think let's just flush it, move on to next season, not working with a full deck of cards. But on the flip side of that, and this is why it's such a, a weird thought process to have, and, and maybe I'm uh, alone on this island. I, I tend to be with, with my weird and incorrect thoughts. But if he does go out there and light the world on fire like you just said with – Without the full deck of cards, and looks like the five star and number two overall player quarterback in the country. Without the full deck of cards, then okay, let's overreact all off season. Like I think let's it would just be playing the parade now for mid January because you talked about guys needing to step up around him, and you're absolutely right. I also think there's going to be a natural elevation because if Nico's the the guy everybody says he is. The, the the young leader that everybody says he is, and he has the it factor like we think he does, he, he will naturally elevate the guys around him. That's what the best quarterbacks to ever play this game do. They elevate the guys around them naturally because they are so good with how they handle their business, both mentally and physically. So I think we'll see a little bit of, a little bit of that of guys stepping up around him just naturally. So uh, that'll be fascinating. We're running a little longer than we anticipated here. There, there's just been so much to, to cover from uh, this this long bowl week in Orlando. The last thing that I do want to briefly touch on before we get out of here uh, is something <laughs> we mentioned in passing earlier is, is just how locked in is Tennessee going to be into this football game. I'm expecting Iowa to be locked in. They have a great culture over there. Kirk Ferentz, I, I really enjoyed listening to him speak this week and during the joint press conference on, on Sunday morning. 
you know his teams are going to be ready to play. That their culture is is why they are so good. And uh, you know another thing in this game, quick sidebar: penalties. Tennessee 14th in the SEC in penalties this That's year. Last, dead last. And uh, Iowa, I don't have it right in front of me anymore. I believe they were second. I'm scrolling. Let's see penalties. Fewest penalties. Iowa was fifth in the country in fewest penalties. Tennessee was 128th. Tennessee commits 8.17 penalties per game. Iowa commits three and a half penalties per game. So that that's something else to to watch in this game because those penalties, Patrick, the that can make up for the difference in talent and the difference in athleticism is is being disciplined out there on the football field. And and I think that's something that people overlook with Iowa. Uh, how did Iowa win 10 games with that offense? Well, they don't beat themselves. Well, technically they do physically on offense, but <laughs> mentally they do not beat themselves with, with stupid penalties. So Tennessee cannot afford to to rack up penalties in this game because I, I would be very surprised if Iowa racked up penalties in, in this game. And, and who knows, that, that could end up being the difference. Uh, but Iowa's going to be locked into this game. I think Tennessee will as well. I I thought the the comments from multiple people this week – uh, Cooper Mays, Tim Banks, Joey Hawsley, uh, Aaron Beasley. The standard is the standard. That was their message this week, word for word. The standard is the standard. Whoever is out there on the football field, we have confidence in them making plays, and we expect for them to make plays. It's next man up. So I, I do think that Tennessee will be locked in and, and ready to play. It, it's been a weird month, a lot of attrition at, at different spots. Um, but in the midst of, of the chaos, the, the guys who – are still here playing in this football game, I expect them to, to be locked in because I think they have a great mindset going into this football game. Yeah, and at this point of the week, I'm ready for it to be played. So <laughs> let's play the game and let, let's see how, how, the, how the chips fall. Let's do it. He is Patrick Brown. I am Ben McKee. There is plenty of coverage up on the site, especially today. Uh, bold predictions, game predictions, Patrick's weekly matchup feature that he does throughout the football season. Uh, Wes is currently posting his Better Noah foe. Uh, Ryan, he has recruiting coverage from uh, the Under Armour All-American game. Patrick has wrote a ton of great stories this week on Jalen McCullough, Aaron Beasley, Dylan I wouldn't Sampson. say great, but thank I you. am calling them great. You sit there and be quiet. You chose not to talk a minute ago, so you're not allowed to talk for the rest of this podcast as, as I wrap up. So plenty of coverage up at the site. And, of course, we will have plenty of game day coverage on New Year's Day and uh, throughout the rest of this week as we wrap up the 2023 football season. Uh, we greatly appreciate your support and following along with us all throughout the year. And uh, we, we hope you have a safe, safe, and happy, happy new year. And uh, for Patrick Brown and Ben McKee, Go Vols 24-7. We'll speak to you next year. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time. 
answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.